and welcome to a mini-sode of Home is Where the Grave is. I am your co-host, Dulce. And I am your second co-host, Unity. So, on this one, we're going to touch on a topic that was important to the immigrant community, and I'm sure to many people with loved ones from uh, other countries. Uh, During the pandemic, you know, the pandemic disrupted lives, it disrupted everything, you know, like income, livelihoods, uh, your ability to send your kids to school, uh, find babysitters. Uh, But something that I like, I want to point out is that it also disrupted uh, funeral traditions and burials and mourning rituals in general. And so with the pandemic, obviously came a lot of death and i imagine that just about every one of us was touched by some sort of covid related death um it was a pretty crazy time every one of us had vulnerable family members friends Mm -hmm. acquaintances uh co-workers and it's unfortunate that the most vulnerable of our society were the ones that were most likely to be affected by covid um so, and the same goes for the immigrant community. Uh, so when I first was writing about this, I, I was with a newspaper and we noted immediately that most of the COVID deaths and cases were coming from immigrant communities who obviously didn't have a, they didn't have any uh, safeguards. I guess you have to excuse that's Lulu. Uh, that's, uh, we spoke about Charlie on one of the main episodes. That's his daughter. That has been so good up until this point. <laughs> she's but tired. She's had a long day. She's like, I'm done with you guys. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> but back to what I was saying. So the immigrant community um, was unfortunate that they laughed. She's done with you. She's like, no, oh I don't care goodness. about this. <laughs> Come here. So something that we found out quickly during uh, the pandemic as numbers and death toll starting to rise is that a lot of them were coming from immigrant community, which here in Tennessee is, you know, made up of uh, people from Mexico, from Dominican Republic, uh, refugee populations, undocumented populations, uh, people here on um, on special visas or H two one or H two A visas, meaning that they were um, here to help with farm labor or uh, other sort of work visas. And because a lot of these um, these people were mostly working in the shadows, you know. They weren't paid properly like most people. They didn't have social security. They didn't have sick days. So even as the world shut down and people stayed home to protect themselves and their families from COVID, other people had to continue working. You know, the frontline workers and uh, others who couldn't afford to stop working. Because even as there was a disease ravaging the country, you still had families to feed. You still had family members to take care of. You still had, uh, for a lot of 
um, immigrant workers, they had families in other countries that they were supporting. So they couldn't afford to take off work. Um, and if they got sick, they had to keep working. And unfortunately, with COVID, it's not always one of those diseases that you can keep working. You know, it, a lot of these people ended up dying of COVID. Um, another stigma with, at least from a uh, Hispanic community, is that people are, honestly, we're afraid to see doctors in the hospitals mm -hmm. because of their documentation or because their fears of doctors in general or that they would be treated poorly. That's fair. And some of the people that I spoke to, doctors was a last resort, even as they were on their their deathbed or they were, you know, days away from about to pass or have go past the point of no return. And uh, when I was covering this, I had... I knew someone that was personally driving these people to the hospital because they were so afraid to go by them to by themselves or on their own free will. So apart from that, um, so when somebody dies here in the United States and they were originally from another country, mm -hmm. there comes uh, a decision that you have to make. Where do they get buried? Right. So in, you know, Hispanic culture, Latino culture, Latin America, death is, death rituals are as important as life. And for most, for a lot of people, it is important for them to be taken back to their home country mm -hmm. so that they can be given all of the proper rituals and ceremonies. Makes sense. And so that their family can mourn accordingly. Right. You know, like I very highly doubt, I've never seen anyone here in the United States have a body in their house for several days, you know? <laughs> no, like for the previous episode, we were saying there's a lot of ritual that goes behind it. But apart from that, it's, you know, I, there's no, there, your community isn't here. It's most likely in your hometown. Yeah. And where people can actually walk to your house from blocks away to be able to pay their final respects to the deceased. Sure. But because it was the pandemic, it turns out that, um, that already complicated procedure mm -hmm. of sending a body back to their home country right. was interrupted by the pandemic. Uh, so, you know, most uh, COVID-19 affected most mortuary shipping services, including international flights. And the U.S. was suspending a lot of shipments of human remains mm -hmm. for several months. Wasn't there a contamination, like, if... The person died because of COVID and they determined it was because of COVID. Would they transport? Would they, was there like a period of time they had to wait before the body could be transported because of COVID? Well, and that's a really good question because remember at the beginning of the pandemic, we weren't sure yeah. how this virus was spreading. Yeah. Mm -hmm. how, um, how it was mutating or mm -hmm. we had a lot of questions, which yeah. is why, you know, um, Federal recommendations kept changing all the time because new evidence kept coming up. Yep. So those um so people were being asked to forego both traditional funeral services and the shipping of bodies until you could uh know more about how COVID affected the remains, you know, because it's a question. You know what? It's actually a good question. What happens if somebody died of COVID nineteen? But um, 
So anyways, a lot of the times, like you were saying, a lot of the people that passed away either, I don't know if there's a lot of direct cases just because I haven't researched it, but I know there was the deaths that I do know of. It was not a direct cause of COVID-19. It was a bystander of COVID-19. So they already had, they were at risk for respiratory distress, respiratory issues because of their diseases like COPD or, um, they also had diabetes or whatever other condition that made them more malleable, more, uh, what am I trying to say here? Susceptible. Thank you. Susceptible to COVID that made their symptoms even worse. Their pre-existing systems, symptoms worse. There we go. Words are hard. <laughs> so that is a good point that you bring up. And I do have here in my notes. Uh, so according to the CDC, mm. The virus that causes COVID-19 is not thought to be carried by blood, but leaked fluids that could cause exposure to pathogens. Right. So individuals that died from COVID-19 had to be buried or cremated uh, instead of taken to their homeland. Oof. So it was tough. Yeah. It was really tough for a lot of people. So what some people ended up doing is just keeping the body mm. and waiting for the, you know, for regulations to let up. Yeah. And they were stored for months. And, COVID, you know, COVID, what, been like three or four years now? Yeah. And they didn't resume things until several months. I think almost like a year. No, just several months. So, as I said before, the process of sending a body to another country, mm -hmm. very complicated, mm. very complex. It involves numerous people. And it even involves embassies. Um, for instance, uh, the funeral director has to be able to communicate with the funeral director receiving the body in the other country. Yeah. And, you know, they don't speak the same language. Makes it a little tough. Or know how to call, dial phone numbers. Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't even know where to start. Like, I'm not actually sure how do you dial to Mexico. I guess you would have to contact the embassy or something, right? No. Well, you do have to contact the embassy, but right. not for that reason. Oh. So, contacting the embassy is because you also need permission mm. to be sending bodies to another country. Right. And, and each country has its own rules and procedures. Mm -hmm. And so, you have to follow the rules of the other country, and then you have to follow the rules of the United States as well. Oof. And then, you still need a funeral a death certificate from the united states um for example to send a body back to mexico mexico's consulate in atlanta requires three forms a death certificate a transit permit and a notarized embalming affidavit you know because the body needs to be embalmed to be able to make it back yeah. to their home country yeah. And then the cost is one of the biggest problems of course mm. it's not cheap to ship a body back to your home country. Bet not. For uh, the family that I interviewed, the price to send their mother back to Guatemala was $7,000. And that did not include the funeral home expenses in, the home, in their home country. Oh my goodness. So it, yeah, funeral shipping services could cost anywhere from $6,000 to $15,000 from the sources that I spoke to. And like, but like I said, that funeral practices, it's as important as living customs. Like, 
if there is no body, if they don't have a final resting place, if their family isn't able to give them to say goodbye, mm-hmm. like it, it prevents them from being able to process their death and mourn them properly. That's, uh, I just remember what a nightmare it was when, like, we had loved ones that were be in the hospital for, like, common thing, right? And you couldn't visit them. If you were not the immediate family member, like, a sibling, not even a sibling, I think it was, like, a, a parent, guardian, or spouse, and it was one person at a time, you could not go in. Because I think during that time, my mom was having surgery. I think your parents were in the hospital at one point. And it was just so hard keeping in contact and trying to see them. And I can't imagine somebody going through much worse health conditions tacked on with COVID and not being able to see their family and their family not being able to see them. It's rough. On a side note, this is why talking about death and how you'd like to be buried before you're on death's bed. (laughs) is important you know because the last thing you want to be thinking of when you're dying possibly of covid Mm. is like do we want to you know hope that she lives or do we want to start planning her funeral and asking her on her deathbed how would you like to be buried that makes for a very awkward conversation (laughs) also you know especially if you're in another country that's really something to take into consideration with your death planning is how are you going to be transported? Are you going to be transported? Will you take other measures in, into consideration instead of putting that financial burden on your family for you to be brought back mm-hmm. to homeland? That's oof. So from what I saw, um, the community aspect is still here in the United States, even if you're far away. Sure. When people died unexpectedly or uh, their family was too poor to send the body back, the whole community would come together and have a fundraiser. Yeah. To get that money. That's awesome. Because it's expensive, but it's that's that important, you know? Yeah. Like, on Day of the Dead, where are you going to go visit them? You need to be able to visit your family, you know? They need to be able to come back, so mm-hmm. they need a final resting place. And even though cremation would be the easier option, sure. it's not an option for, you know, countries like Mexico or Catholicism. You mm-hmm. need a body to mourn. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's a monkey wrench into that situation. So thankfully, um, COVID-19 is not disrupting funeral practices as it was. Um, But deaths in immigrant communities still remain, you know, a topic because there's always the question like, where do you want to get buried? And the whole, the struggles of sending somebody back again. And so that's something that you should be discussing with your family. They have an open plan. Um, it may be an uncomfortable conversation, especially if you're not used to openly talking about death in your family. But I'll say from personal experience, uh, so I'm in the state guard. I'm in the Tennessee National Guard. And one of the things, and we just came back from deployment, but one of the things that we had to openly talk about was who we were signing as our power of attorney in case things went sideways, right? In case we didn't make it back home. Um, so for people in our situation, I think it, the topic of death is a little bit more open just because you need to have those plans in place for the worst. You hope for the best, but you plan for the worst. 
And I think that ideology would benefit a lot of people, regardless of what occupation you're in or your cultural background. To definitely, like you were saying, would say is think about it, plan it, discuss it. Because there's a lot of resources that are open. You can get a power of attorney, but people need to understand there's a difference between a regular power of attorney for finances versus a health power of attorney. And that form is actually really a public form. You can fill it out. You can have a designated family member or whomever. And then you can give it to your local hospitals so that they know what your death wishes are. Um, It's a good document for someone to look into. And it's very public. I did not know that. Thank you for letting me know. And I will remind people that when you're in the military, you're not necessarily (laughs) dying, you know, in combat. Yeah. A lot of deaths happen while in training. This is true. This is sadly true. So when you come from a culture where death is around every corner, Mm -hmm. it makes sense to be like, you know what? I really want to make sure that you fire me out of a cannon when I die. (laughs) Whatever your heart desires, okay? But it needs to be written down so somebody knows to actually get it done for you. That's why the planning process is important. And I'm curious, any listeners out there who happen to have families in other countries, where do you plan on getting buried? Are you planning getting buried here in the United States or in your home country? Do you still have enough of a connection to your home country? It's a good question. Those are really good questions. Oh, if you uh, would like to respond, email us at sweetprogress at gmail.com. Sweetprogressinc at gmail.com. Oh, look at me. Sweetprogressinc. At gmail.com. Now you won't forget. <laughs> and, you know, being in the U.S., you can't exactly do all the customs that yeah. come from our home countries. You know, mm-hmm. there's that country that uh, brings the deceased back from out of their grave and uh, celebrates with them, even if they've already been dead for a long time. You can't exactly do that here because laws and stuff. This is true. It's, <laughs> it'll be interesting to hear everyone's stories of how they approach the system that they're in with it, within a different country, but also keeping up with their customs from home and trying to make it as home and culturally acceptable as possible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's all the time we have for this mini-sode today. Uh, until next time, we'll have our main episode covering in February, February 11th, right? We'll be recording. And uh, it'll be coming out around the time of Valentine's Day. We'll have an interesting thing for you, hopefully. We're not lovey-dovey people at all. <laughs> no. We're very morbid. So, of course, it's going to be a very morbid episode. But fun. Buckle up. And remember to check out our Etsy store, uh, Delicate Deaths. Right, delicate death. Sorry, I'll eventually get this right, folks. Uh, delicate death at Etsy. We may have some more product coming out. We're working on some goodies now, uh, so check us out there and then listen to our podcast weekly. We have our regular episodes and the mini episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and Podcast Addict. Yay! <laughs> you have anything else? Stay alive and see you next time. Till next time, bye bye.